Um, the goal, the goal isn't that you walk away from this morning saying, man, I feel energized and I, and I, I know what I got to do and I got some applications for my life this week and I'm, I'm going to change this thing. I'm going to be a better person here. Or like, man, I got some encouragement in this, in this part of my faith or I need to rethink. Okay, and that's, that's usually kind of how a sermon goes. You show up and, you're, and you're, you're kind of like, all right, Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to do? This is different because this isn't so much... All right, this week, you're going to walk away saying, this is, what, this is one thing I can do this week to make sure I'm living out my faith and staying true to the Lord. Instead, this is, all right, this really is for you to build confidence that our faith and, and specifically our understanding of this, it really is foundational and, and solid. So the goal is that we walk away saying, I am more convinced that the Bible is God's word than I was before. And it isn't sort of a, well, it just happens to be our book. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm more confident and able to understand and maybe even have a conversation with people about specifically why I believe the Bible is God's word. So the goal really isn't like so much so that you apply one thing this week, but rather that you are equipped at any moment in life to say all right i i at least have a better understanding of the scriptures and can have at least some kind of like like tool in my belt when people start questioning if they ever ask me questions about the bible why do you read the bible why do you believe that oh man i remember a couple things that that guy said once this that's the goal my goal this morning so we're like of the seven kind of misconceptions we're going to discuss and talk about and look at the first one is, is this, where did the Bible come from? Because in other religions, their holy book is generally, generally speaking, presented or given by one person. So the Quran was written down by the prophet Muhammad, and, and it was written down over the course of his life, and you see, even as you read the Quran, like, there's sometimes where it's very peaceful, and sometimes where it's, it's not, and it, and it all is, depends on kind of who he's interacting with, and if they, cur- if they convert to Islam peacefully, then he's like, hey, be at peace and treat them well. If they don't, then it's like, hey, we need to force them to do, and, and, um, and a number of people who observe and, and do, have written, like, books about Muhammad will say that he would even get into like a trance-like state and then they would just kind of write down what he was saying. And so the Quran is from one guy. In Mormonism, the Book of Mormon wasn't written by one guy, but it was, it was discovered and then translated by one guy, Joseph Smith. And we don't have the original. So we just kind of go on his word, this is it. And, and there's a whole process of, of like what happened. And, and, and we can act, we'll actually talk about it more on, on Wednesday, specifically like that but it was really here is presented from one guy so how do we get our bible right every every faith has their guy has their right i mean their hero or mascot so to speak like oh this is our guy and our guy's jesus and like all right so did jesus give us this when i became a christian i had no idea anything about this i, I literally i thought like oh this is just like jesus wrote this down jesus wrote what he was what we he wanted us to know and we're supposed to i guess read it and, and then I realized, like, having read it, there's not a single word in here Jesus wrote down. He didn't write any of it. So how do we get this? And how do we know that this is what it's supposed to be? That, that what you have in here actually is the, 
the words and the books that God wants you to have. So this morning, we're going to begin our study of the Bible and how often it so often is misunderstood. And, and today will kind of serve as a foundation for the rest of the series where we say, all right, we're going to feel confident in that we have the right Bible. And then we'll, we'll kind of progress as we go through this series and add on to our understanding of the scripture. So here's what we're going to say. And this right out the gate, here's the point. This is my goal. This is what I'm trying to convince you of. That we can be sure that the Bible we have is the Bible God wants us to have. So many times skeptics, critics will say, how do you even know that this is what's supposed to be in there? And a lot of times our answer is, I, I don't know, I just trust it. I don't know. They, a publisher published the Bible. It's been around a long time. There's a lot of good stuff in it. So I just take it on faith. And, and honestly, that's an okay answer, not a great answer. It, it really is not a convincing answer to someone who, who is looking at the same, but why do you think that's true? No different than, well, why do you believe the Quran or the Book of Mormon? Well, because I take it on faith. Yeah, but okay, give me more. Give me more. Why do you believe the Bible? I just take it on faith. Okay, I'm not convinced after this morning i hope you are convinced and and at least have some good like some good understanding and ability to have like this that that you can say this is sure that this is true i can be sure that the bible i have in my hands is the bible god wants me and us to have we see this in second timothy three maybe one of the most famous like scriptures about scripture it says this Paul writes, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, this asks the question though. Wonderful. All scripture is God-breathed. For him, he's writing that and there's still yet to be scripture to be written. It's not finalized yet. There's still things that will be written after Paul. So when he's writing this, you know what he's referring to? The Old Testament. He's saying the Old Testament scriptures we have. He didn't even realize necessarily that like, hey, there's, there's other scriptures that are gonna go in here and, and like, it's still, we still have to finalize this. So he's writing this saying, all right, I, not, not even for himself, like, hey, listen to what I say, but rather all, whatever's deemed scripture is God breathed. This begs a question. How do we know which books belong in the Bible? Have you ever thought about this? There's 66 books. The Bible is a library. It's not, it's not a book. It's kind of a misconception to say, well, I have this book on the shelf. I mean, it's bound like a book, but it's really, it's 66 different volumes to make up one library of books. And, and 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. Okay, why are those the numbers? Why isn't there 40 Old Testament or 30 New Testament or 10 New Testament? And how do we know these are the right ones? Again, we look at this and say, well, I just, I, it, someone at some point did the work and figured it out, and I just lean on that. And, and maybe so, sure, but, but, but listen, how can we be sure that we have the right books of the Bible, that the 66 in here are the right ones? Okay, that's what we're going to look at this morning. How do we know? There's a word you have to know and you have to understand and it's used as you, and you get into this field of what's often referred to as textual criticism to figure out how do we know that what we have in the Bible is the right stuff. And the word is this. It's often referred to as the canon of Scripture. 
I don't know if you've heard this before. Not like cannon, like shooting cannonballs, that kind of thing. I remember the first time I heard this, I'm going, what? What, is it? what do you mean the canon of Scripture? Like, believe this or else? <laughs> like, or we'll bring out our canon. Like, the canon of Scripture is, uh, it refers to specifically, the canon in, um, in, in uh, specifically refers to not like the English version of canon, but it literally means measuring rod. So when you would say a cannon, it's sort of like this is the standard by which we measure. So you could call this, we could call an inch a cannon or a foot a cannon or a square foot as a cannon because it's the thing by which we measure everything else. So when we talk about scripture and, and specifically in this field, they reference the canon of scripture. Here's what one guy, one a scholar who kind of literally wrote the book on this uh, Bruce Metzger, he wrote he's a book called The Canon of the New Testament. He says this, Whereas scripture, the word scripture, is an authoritative and sacred book, a canon is a sacred and authoritative list of books. The canon is the totality of all the books, and we say, in total, this is the, the, uh, the, the word of God. Does that make sense? A scripture is a particular book of the Bible or we could say passage or like, it, and, and when we'll, as we get into this series, we'll talk more about what makes something scripture versus just a writing. And, and, but the canon is all of them together and say, this is it. It's like the bookends of the bookshelf, right? You have the library, all right, here's where it starts, here's where it ends, and all the books in between is our canon, our measuring rod, the thing by which we measure everything else. So how did we get the canon? The process of what's called canonicity. Okay, we're using a lot of big words this morning. I know, but it'll help us as we understand. All right, I, I can be confident. I really can be confident that we really do have the right word of God, the right books in the Bible. The process of canonicity. Here's what's important, and, and here's what was attacked. This is, it's probably old now, but we'll look at this in a second. This, and this is like, if you get nothing else, this is like a line you should remember that the canon was discovered not decided that the canon of scripture like the totality of all the books it was something that it was a process over time to discover which books are the right ones it wasn't listen it wasn't something that was decided on later on and then kind of retroactively sort of like well thus saith us we voted and we say these are the scriptures that was not at all the process but a number of years ago if you remember this uh this is probably like 20 30 years ago uh, but it became it became like a worldwide phenomenon called ready for this you know this the da vinci code and then they made a movie about it and it was like it, it, like, it, it became the thing that people would reference to say this is why I'm not a Christian because of things that Dan Brown wrote in the Da Vinci Code and there's a number of follow up books and, and people who write in response to that and it's kind of old news now and for good reason because it was kind of like alright this is kind of like not quite there's a little, it's a little deceptive in this like scholarly writing and, and it isn't entirely accurate and, and he seemingly kind of knowingly Mis misled people to believe certain things about the Bible because it would sell books. But here's the thing. The Da Vinci Code, this is what the Da Vinci Code and critics just, they honestly just get, just plain get wrong. And knowing, knowingly so. They'll say this. 
Many critics, including Dan Brown, will say the Bible specifically, and the books of the Bible and the New Testament in particular, um, was put together hundreds of years after Jesus. And so it can't be trusted. Because it was hundreds of years later, some, some guys got together and they decided what should be considered scripture and it was stuff that jesus never even thought or understood to be scripture or never wanted to be scripture none of the apostles understood and they kind of literally hundreds of years later they decided they got together and they decided what the faith would be and they tweaked it and they added stuff to christianity that was never original this is the claim so therefore you can't you can't trust this because this was decided by a bunch of religious politicians and we know you can't trust a single politician, right? Um, l- listen, this is, that's, the, that's the, like the attitude, the mentality. And, and the claim is this. A bunch of guys got together, um, under the, um, brought together by the Roman Emperor Constantine hundreds of years later, and they decided what would get put in because, here it is, ready? Because like everyone in positions of power, they wanted more power. They wanted to control people and had control of religion. And if you could control, listen, if you could control people's religious beliefs, you have them. So we're going to create a religion in which we're going to add divinity to this person. And, that's, and then we're going, to be, we're going to be the gatekeepers of who's in and who's out. And if you want to come and worship this divine person, you got to come through us. And we're going to decide what the church looks like. That's the, that's the premise they suppressed in this group they suppressed the earlier gospels for political reasons and they imposed a doctrine here's the big one they imposed a doctrine of divinity on jesus and he says this happened in what's called the council of nicaea in ad 325 and 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 he's half right constantine put together a council of in nicaea at 325 and they discussed the divinity of jesus that whether he was god or not what he gets wrong was that they didn't decide in that moment it wasn't something new where it's for 300 years no divinity and then all of a sudden they get together and they say actually actually we now decide he was god instead what they did was they reaffirmed in writing what everyone already believed as a way to stomp out heresy to say this is what we agree on we've all been meeting with it we know we know this to be true now let's all get together and put together in writing a creed that we all agree on and say this is what we have been teaching and the gospel is what's true and anyone who doesn't hold on to kind of this minimum sort of this is the minimum of what it takes to be called a christian if you don't then what then then literally what you're preaching is outside of christian is heresy they didn't get together to decide this is now the new religion and we're changing things rather they just reaffirmed in writing what everyone already believed you see the difference it wasn't starting something brand new rather they were just simply uh, making official this is what we believe it's, it's almost like um like our, our church we have this on our website and you can go find it our, our even our denomination like our conference we have a statement of beliefs where we say this is what we believe when when when, listen when that was first written and guys were typing it it wasn't in that moment they're deciding you know what we're going to make up some new beliefs and we're going to add it to our statement of beliefs and we're we're going to see if people get it or not but even if they do hey whatever we're just going to blow right through them it wasn't that they were making up in that moment a statement of beliefs what they're doing is saying hey we're writing down officially what we've believed all along you see the difference the council of nicaea writes down officially what we've believed all along 
Instead, what guys like Dan Brown will say was, well, that was when they first decided and they changed Christianity to something it isn't now, which is why it became a, a roaring success and then a movie and all kinds of stuff. But he, he knowingly, willingly gets this wrong. So let's talk about this process of discovery because the canon was discovered, not decided. Listen, I, I can't stress how important that is. In fact, it's so important, I'm gonna make you say it. Ready? Here we go. The canon was not that's so good that's so good you need to remember that it wasn't decided by a bunch of guys who got together and say thus saith the lord what we claim but rather hey let's look at the 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 totality of what we do in our faith and let's and let's let's discover and let's 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 put our stamp of approval on what we consider scripture and the canon of scripture so the process of discovery we'll start with the old testament then we'll jump to the new testament the old testament is a, a little different and they didn't do as much work um, with the old testament because it, right understandably so by the time christianity comes along the old testament is already established it's well documented it's sort of it has its own bookends the beginning genesis and the end malachi right the or if you're italian malachi it, and and that's it Though that's the totality all 39 books and it was well established and what we see is this that that it was um it was established um long before jesus showed up long before christianity and the old testament we could say this even for us for you for me we have you in your old your your bible you have the old testament it was inherited from the jews it was something that was given to us not something we sort of decided or in 325 hey let's get together and come up with two testaments an old testament and a new testament let's let's put this no 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 by the time of jesus it's already done it's already put together it was inherited from jews and it was decided it was like completed around our best guess our best like estimation at least is around 400 bc it's done 400 years before jesus the Old Testament is already agreed upon, decided, and being used in the Jewish faith. It's, it's uh, often referred to as the Tanakh, or there's a bunch of kind of, it's, uh, or you'll see, um, uh, if you ever read stuff, it's called the Hebrew Bible. That just literally means the Old Testament. It doesn't mean a, a different Bible. It's just the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, and which Jews still read and believe today. So the Hebrew Bible, it was given. Now, how was it decided? How was it discovered? How was it, how was it figured out this? All right, if, as we're thinking through what Scripture is and what isn't, how do we know? There seems to be three basic steps. First, it was inspired by God. And, and this is hard to judge, but this was a criteria. It wasn't like, well, everything's inspired by God, um, because you could say that about any document you write. You write it down like, oh, God inspired me to write, you know, this poem about how much I love Dr. Pepper. And, and like, that doesn't make it scripture. But like, the Lord told me I got a feeling in my gut. No, that's because you drank too many of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> but here's, here's what was true. All of the Old Testament documents, all of the Old Testament books were deemed to be inspired by God. These weren't just people getting together. So as they, as they read through, certainly Moses, it was, this is different than just one of our rabbis writing something down. That These have a different feeling, environment, a different, a different, we have a different understanding of them. So they had to be inspired by God. 
Number two, it had to be recognized by spokespersons of God or prophets. Prophets will often quote other prophets, and that would tell us, okay, this is a prophet who's serving in this role, and they are now quoting or discussing previous prophets. All right, they understand and see them as authoritative, that they aren't just someone writing something down, but that, that they have, that there's something different about what they wrote. We see this a lot with Moses. They'll quote Moses, and it's sort of like, hey, listen, if he wrote it down, this was, it, it is scripture. The first five books, um, uh, they, they, the Torah, all right, these are inspired by God. We recognize them as written by a man of God, uh, by other prophets. We recognize this wasn't just some guy. This was a prophet, or this was like David. This was the king, or, or, um, or Moses, like, man, he, like, he literally was given the law from God. All right, and then number three, that it was collected and preserved by the people of God. So over time, this collection of 39 books, and it kind of happened all, not all at once because they're written at different times, they, they seem to be um, collected and then preserved to say these are, these, these are the scriptures by which we understand God is speaking to us. And this number grows over time, obviously as sort of like time progresses and more prophets write more books. And, and so by the time, like by the time we get to kind of the closing of the Old Testament, all of these are, have happened and, 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 it's, and it's unanimous that there are 39 of these and they're categorized into two, eventually three categories. The categories are this, the law and then the prophets and then a third category is used to distinguish within the prophets the writings and all of the old testament is is categorized into one of those three categories if you um if you even uh if you go to israel today or you know uh, look at a hebrew bible or talk to someone who is jewish they'll talk about they won't say the old testament i mean they will but they'll all more specifically oh what we were told in the law they're referring to a specific section of the old testament or what the prophets said or the writings and and so like like it's it's kind of like the new testament version is well in the gospels or in the letters or in john's revelation different categories so all of these are collected and preserved by the people of god and then by the time Je long before jesus is around or or any any like inkling of new like understanding of what christianity is this Old Testament is already well-established and well-used. And that's it. You're not adding anything else. It's closed. Now, the New Testament. The New Testament has different criteria, and we know much more about it because, um, because it was uh, cl certainly closer to our time, but also um, they wrote down a lot about the process. And we know about councils that met and, decide, and, and, um, and like made official statements. And so we see this. The New Testament was in circulation in total, by AD 200 now that's not 200 years after Jesus and that's not even 200 years after it was written Jesus was born about probably 4 to 6 BC he died he was crucified probably I mean the best idea is around 30 AD but you know give or take a few years we don't know exactly the year um, no one was writing this is what's what's funny we think of like everything that happens rewrite a date in a year no one was like oh you know what we should yeah, we should categorize everything based on this guy we killed. <laughs> In fact, his, you know, we're, it was decided later on the dates, but so around 30-ish, we don't know exactly. And, and then the Gospels, letters would be written within a couple decades. The Gospels, some of them a little bit later. Um, John wrote his probably around, it's guessed around 90 AD. So what we're saying is within 100 years 
of the last, like of the writing of the scripture of the New Testament, it's already being quoted and in use. That's a very short amount of time. So we see this. It's in circulation by, by AD 200, and then it's canonized by AD 397 at what's called the Council of Carthage. Okay, you don't have to remember all of these dates and all this stuff. I'm just, again, I'm giving you this to reassure you to say, all right, we're not just making this up. This is, this is a literal history. This is how it happened. In 3, 397, it was officially decided, all right, this is the scripture we've been using for hundreds of years. Now we're putting our stamp of uh, approval on it, and we're saying, this is it. It's, can it's finalized. The 27 books we have are now are now officially canonized in writing Norman Geisler another guy who wrote specifically a, 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 a book on this that I read this week a, a, a long portions of it from God to us how we got our Bible he says this by 200 CE um, CE is also another write, way of writing AD it, means, it refers to common era instead of AD they, they, cha they changed that a while back still don't know how I feel about it um, by 200 CE, only a century after the close of the apostolic age of the, the time of the apostles, all 27 books of the New Testament were cited. They had all been cited by the early church fathers, by the people after the apostles as scripture. This is proof positive that these books were considered part of the inspired canon of scripture from the earliest times. Not 325 not 397 long before these councils got together it was already understood these books are scripture and these carry the weight of god's word so the criteria let's talk about this the criteria of how does a book make it in how do we know these 27 are the 27 here's the first one was it written by an apostle or one of his companions. This is important. It isn't just someone who said, well, I have something to say, I'll write it down. It had to be by a recognized apostle, one of the disciples or the apostle Paul, um, or, or someone that they traveled with that they got their information from. So we have four gospels. Um, and we actually have a lot of gospels. We probably have a couple hundred gospels. But four that are in the scriptures and saying these are these are scripture and these these ones carry the weight of the word of god and they were written two by people by apostles by people who were there and two by companions of apostles so mark it's often understood that used peter as his source he writes his gospel mark wasn't there but peter was and he gets a lot of his information from peter Luke also wasn't a disciple, but he was a companion, a traveling companion, a disciple of a guy named Paul, who, man, he certainly was. He wrote half of the New Testament books. So he gets his information. He, Luke also writes Acts, which is probably why he has so much information to write about Acts, because he's getting it firsthand from Paul. Oh, yeah, and then I went here, and then we went to this island, then I got bitten by a snake, then I got shipwrecked. It was, it was a bad year for me. And, like, he writes it all down. So it had to be written by an apostle or one of their companions, right out the gate. If it wasn't written by them, this is why a lot of the gospels, like what are referred to, we'll look at a few here in a second, what are called the Gnostic gospels, or like Gnostic means secret or hidden, and they had some special knowledge. Um, they would add the name of one of these apostles to try to get accepted. So how do you get a book in the Bible if it wasn't written by an apostle? You claim it was. So we have the gospel of Thomas. 
Did Thomas write it? No, and we know that. We have a gospel of Judas. Did Judas write it? No, we know he didn't write it because it came out way too late. So it had to be written by an apostle or his companion. Number two, was it written during the time of the apostles? All right, when was this written? If this was written in 300 AD, clearly it wasn't written by one of the apostles. They'd long been dead. So you have to date it to the time to say this is written by an apostle and during his time because there are a lot of letters or even gospels attributed to some of these guys like the gospel of Peter, the gospel of Paul and there are these secret books that are written later but are attributed to them. But they weren't written, we know this, during the time of the apostles so it, it clearly is a forgery and doesn't make it in. Number three, was it true and sound in its doctrine? Did it agree with what everyone understood to be authentic, orthodox Christianity? Was it, was it saying some false t- doctrine or teaching that wasn't in anything else? And if so, or did it say anything that wasn't factual? If so, get rid of it. It's out. Can't be in. You can't have it if it is clearly a forgery or presenting something that isn't true. So we see this in Acts 17. This was a, a regular, um, this is a regular uh, uh, habit, process, practice of good studied early christians it says this now the berean jews were more noble character than those in thessalonica for they received the message of paul with great eagerness and here's what they did ready they and and examined the scriptures every day to see if what paul said was true this was the attitude that even uh, that people would have in the next few centuries of all right is this true to what we know to already be true does this line up with the Old Testament and with, with what, like, the documents that we have? Or is this some new thing that we know isn't true? Now, here's, let me give you a few, okay? The Gospel of Thomas, and this comes out in Da Vinci Code. Every, and this, this, this happens every Easter. You, you, I don't, just, this, we're coming up to Easter here in a few months. I know that's a crazy thought. And just, just think about this. Just start watching like commercials or like advertisements of new documentary about jesus was he who he said he was a new gospel new insight from the gospel of judas or the gospel of thomas the doubt and you're like oh they got a new one no they don't got a new one they're just they just had to sell a time slot on tv they wrote a new doc they made a new documentary on these these gospels that have been long debunked okay here's how you know here's how here's why the gospel of thomas didn't make it in it presents new theology apparently in uh, saying 77 jesus says this i am the all what he's never used that in scripture ever but right here he does apparently according to thomas that was written hundreds of years after thomas died i i am the all the all has emerged from me and the all has attained to me uh, what cleave a piece of wood i am there lift a stone and you will find me there this is what's called often referred to as pantheism that, that like the all god is in everything and all things god is wood and stone and water and sky and bird and you and me and chair and everything god is all of it now you read that and you say that is not consistent at all with christian teachings or old testament teachings whatsoever gospel of thomas here's a really good one ready this one is like okay i can see why this wouldn't make it into the to, to the bible gospel of thomas saying 114 jesus said see i shall lead her so that i will make her male what that she too may become a living spirit resembling 
you males. Okay, Jesus, really? For every woman who makes herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Ladies, sorry. According to Jesus, according to Thomas, only males make it in. So you gotta make yourself male. And, but here's the good news. Jesus will help you become male. So you read this and you say, all right, does it, was it written by an apostle? Well, the Gospel of Thomas, it says it is, but we know it wasn't. Was it written during the time of Thomas, the apostles? No, it is dated to much later. Is it, uh, is it consistent with true and sound doctrine? No, this is crazy talk. That doesn't happen, doesn't show up anywhere else in Scripture. All right, it's already failed three of the four tests. I, I'm going to guess, let, let's, just, let's just see if it fails the fourth one here in a second. Um, here's, um, here's another one, the Gospel of Judas, section 52. Again, supposedly written by Judas, but we know it's not. We know. The first angel is Seth, who is called Christ. Wait a minute. An angel is Jesus, who's also named Seth. That would be the first time it shows up ever in Scripture. Okay, Judas, you're 0 for 1. The fifth is Adonias. All right, there's another angel. All right. These five, these are the five angels who ruled over the underworld and first of all over chaos okay according to judas christ is an angel called seth who dominates hell that's a different gospel than what we read and you read that and you say okay gospel of judas that doesn't line up with anything else that we know and to be true or have been told or have understood in the scriptures all right i think we can't consider that gospel and there's hundreds of these that become kind of written as forgeries to try to hopefully kind of be written back into the bible and they don't make it in because they don't pass these criteria here's the fourth one was it widely used in churches it can't be some new document we just found that only one church used it had to be something that was circulated and understood and used by a lot of churches in colossians this was already the practice after this uh, after this letter has been read to you, here's what, here's what Paul writes. See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans. Hey, pass this around. And there were a number of like the letters that would go from church to church, region to region, because they were seen as written by an apostle and authoritative. And so they get all these together, they collect them, and then they, they discover these, these seem to be accepted and, and, and used and, and, um, and experienced as the word of God and as authoritative and they meet all of this criteria these make it in to the New Testament to the, to, to, to the canon of scripture it was discovered, not decided they didn't wave a magic wand and include books no one had ever seen before hundreds of years, these were already being used um, one, uh, one writer um, writes this the making of the New Testament he says, it appears that the books that were finally canonized are those that enjoyed a special status and were utilized both frequently and universally by the church. In other words, believers accepted certain Christian writings as authoritative for their faith because they transcended the immediate or particular situation they were initially written. That, that these writings were already being used because they understood this is, this is more important than just simply Paul writing us a letter. This is the word of God. So it makes it in. Um, Norman Geisler, he writes this again, from God to us, how we got our Bible. With respect to the extent of the New Testament canon, 
Christendom, meaning all of Christianity, has been virtually unanimous, at least since the 4th century. Jesus promised, the apostles claim, and history records the 27 inspired books of the New Testament as the complete and final canon of Holy Scripture. So, in this short little Sunday morning, and this is a whole field of study, we can say this. That we can be sure that the Bible we have is the Bible God wants us to have. Now, that doesn't tell us anything uh, about the specifics, but rather that this, the beginning, the first page, going to the last page, this is, this really is what God wants us to have. Now, we're going to spend the next six weeks going over how, how should we then look at this? And what's the point of it? And, and should we believe and obey all of it? That one might surprise you a little bit. And, and how do we know, like, like what's our view of, of how, how these guys wrote their books? Did they just write what they thought and then it was deemed authoritative in Scripture? Or was there other, some other process by which Paul or, or John or Peter wrote down what they wrote down? We'll spend the next few, next six weeks looking at all of these each week at a time. So I, I hope you continue as we kind of build the foundation and now build this sort of this, this house, this structure, and we say, all right, we can be sure that the Bible really is God's word. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? And we're gonna pray and worship the Lord together here and, and, and worship him for his word. And, and um, here's the thing. The only reason, the only, listen, the only reason you're here, the only reason you can even be a follower of Jesus is because men of God long ago who sacrificed with their lives wrote down what God wanted them to. And, and we went through this process to discover and put together God's word. And people were killed, were martyred for this. And we have it now. And we can read about Jesus because of the work of all of countless people who come before us. So we stand on their shoulders and say, man, we, this, isn't, there's no, this wasn't just one person who just got together and said, this, thus saith the Lord, I'm deciding this is the Bible. It was written over 1,500 years by dozens and dozens of authors in three languages. All right, all right. This, this has held up to any kind of scrutiny that's come, that's come its way, all right, this we can be sure of. So let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for your word. And as much as we, as we call it a book, it really is a library that was discovered and, and compiled and, and canonized over the greater part of, of two millennium, 2,000 years it took. So help us, Lord, to, to not just be more sure of, of your word, but now to say, all right, this really is your word. I'm going to take it to heart. I want to understand it in better and new and more ways than I do now. And help us all, Lord, to do what it says. We love you, Lord. We worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name.